How's everyone doing this morning? You guys excited to be in the house of God today? Can we give it up for our worship team? Our worship team is doing a great job. They come here early and practice. I have an amazing sister-in-law. Sharon's ready for battle with those boots. I don't know what you're <laughs> You guys excited for the word of God? So as we get ready for the word of God, remain standing with me, please, as we go to the book of 1 Kings, as we continue our series, Bless This Mess. We're in part five. You guys have survived a month. Give yourself a round of applause. You've survived a month. So we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. This is what the Word of God says. Now, it happened after many days. I want to highlight that there. After many days. Some translations say after a long time. How many of you have been in a situation far too long right now. You're just ready. you ready for God to change. You're ready for God to do something. Well, listen to this story. Now, it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go and show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. And I want to jump over to verse 41. I want you to understand something about this. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of heavy shower. So Ahab, he went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of the mountain Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look forward towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, go back seven times. And it came about that at the seventh time, he said, behold, there's a cloud, but it's as small as a man's hands. There's a cloud, but it's as small as a man's hand coming from the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. And in a little while, the sky will grow black with clouds and wind, and there will be a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord was with Elijah, and he girded up his loins. He outran Ahab. 25 miles, by the way. He outran. Some of you can't even pass a mile. But imagine the supernatural power of God enabling you to run 25 miles fast. Isn't God powerful? There's some things that I just picked up on as I read this. He said, it will come about. I don't know who that's for today. It will come about. It will happen, as the Lord says. Verse 45 says, in a little while, in a little while, it will happen. I want to speak to you on this subject as I read this passage this week in verse 43. Can we go back to 43? He said to his servant, go up now, look forward towards the sea. So he went up and he looked and said, there is nothing. I want to speak to you on that very subject. There is nothing. You ever get frustrated when nothing changes? 
get frustrated when nothing happens. Well, I'm going to speak to you this morning on that very subject. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Father, we are in a season of great nothing. We believe you. We trust you. Why is it, Lord, that sometimes we go through these seasons where nothing happens? As we go to this series now of part five, Lord, of bless this mess, I ask that you help me to speak this word in Jesus' name. Amen. There is nothing. There is nothing. Let me explain what's happening here because the Bible says that for three years, picture this, for three years, there was a severe famine. This wasn't like, oh, it hasn't rained in a few days, weeks, or a month. It has not rained for three years. And such a severe famine meant that no one would be able to grow crops. No one, therefore, would be able to sell and work and eat. So when there was a famine in the land, it meant everyone was suffering. No food, no water. Some people were suffering and dying, losing their loved ones. And the Bible says that God, He tells Elijah, go tell the king that rain is coming. In other words, God tells Elijah, go tell the king that this is going to change. This isn't going to last. The suffering and the pain of this famine that you've gone through. You see, after three years, you're convinced that nothing's going to change. But God tells Elijah, go tell the king that rain is coming. And God gave this promise and this word to Elijah that rain was going to come. So Elijah goes and he to the king and he tells him, by the way, king... God told me to tell you that rain is coming and change is coming and things are going to get better. So in his excitement, he looks to the king and says, Go! Eat and drink because God's about to change this. So Elijah gets just as excited and the Bible says that he climbs up a mountain. Because maybe when he gets the word of God, he expects God to do it right now. See, sometimes that happens to me. I read the promise in the Bible, and the day that I read it, I assume that it's the day it's going to happen. So if I read a promise of God, I assume God is showing me this promise because he's about to do it, and then nothing happens. And that's often the story of many people's lives in the church. We know the promises of God and we hear the word of God, but sometimes His promises are not instant. So Elijah, he maybe forgets this and he goes up to the mountain and he's expecting God to do it right now. He said, God, I know you're going to do it right now. So with excitement, he climbs this mountain, he grabs his servant, and then he tells his servant, go, go check and see if there's rain. And the servant goes and it's as dry as before. Nothing has changed. And Elijah says, do you see anything? And the servant looks at him and says, I see nothing. 
So Elijah may be a little disappointed, but he goes, oh, okay, just go again, go again. Come on, I know this time God's going to do it. And he goes a second time. Well, nothing. Okay, one more time, third time, nothing. Fourth time, go, go, nothing. Elijah, there's nothing. One more time, the fifth time. He says, do you see anything? Nothing. Okay, God, I'm getting tired. I'm getting frustrated. Go one more time. And on the sixth time, Guess what happened? Nothing. Imagine the disappointment. Imagine the frustration. Imagine just the the pain and and maybe even the doubt that Elijah must have felt because in verse 1 he says, God tells him rain is coming, but in verse 41 through 46 you see that nothing's happening. Nothing. What do you do when you have a word from God, but yet nothing happens? What do you do when you believe in the promises of God, but nothing changes? You see, one of the hardest seasons for any believer, I believe, in my opinion, is the season of nothing. And the reason it's so hard is because as Christians, we hold on to the Word of God. We hold on to the promises of God. We read of everything God can do and say, and nothing is impossible. So we look at that, and there's nothing. You're in the same dry situation. You're in the same setback. You're in the same problem. Nothing. There are seasons that Christians will go through, seasons of nothing. You read the promises of of God's provision. I will meet and supply all your needs according to your riches, yet you just lost your job. You know, in this pandemic, Christians lost their jobs, right? We weren't exempt from this. And no one's hiring, so now nothing has happened. You you hear that God's a healer. And you go to the doctor expecting to be healed, and he says nothing has changed. It's actually gotten worse. You hear the word of God says it's not good to be alone, yet you're still single, and there's nothing out there. Welcome to Miami. You hear that God desires that no one perishes and lost, and you pray for that lost loved one, that spouse that doesn't know Jesus, that friend, that co-worker, that family member, and you invite them to church, and you pray, and you pray, and you remind them of the love of Jesus, yet nothing changes. They're still just as lost and still want nothing to do with the Lord. The Bible says, train a child in the way they should go. When they're older, they won't depart. You're believing in this, yet your child remains rebellious. You hear that children are a blessing from God, yet you can't have any, and nothing happens. I wonder what the nothing is in your life. You know, nothing is scary, at least to me. Nothing is scary. Nothing can be frustrating. Nothing can be discouraging. 
Because imagine that Elijah is just believing and expecting, yet nothing changes. And after six times of looking and trying and believing, after six times, that's enough to convince me at least in my flesh that God has forgotten me, God has abandoned me, God is mad at me, I don't think I heard God right, that must have been the devil lying to me, because nothing has happened. It drove many people crazy in the Bible when God did nothing. I thought about Hannah who believed for a baby. She just wanted one child while everyone around her was popping like rabbits, just everywhere. She couldn't even have one and nothing changed. And the Bible says she stopped eating and cried. You know what that's called? That's depression. You know that the seasons of nothing can cause a believer to go through depression? Elijah went through this depression as he believed that it was going to be a great revival. After God rained down fire, and guess what happened? Nothing. No one got saved. No one changed. And he went off to go into his depressed mode. All he wanted to do was sleep. Does that sound like you? Abraham got a promise from God that he was also going to have a son and he was going to be blessed in a mighty nation. And guess what happened? For 25 years. Come on, guess. Nothing. And you know what Abraham did? Lord, step aside. I got this. And his wife said, why don't you sleep with our servant? And he's like, whatever you say, honey, I'll do it. And made a mess of his life. Israel, they were in the, in the desert getting ready to go to the promised land. Moses went up to pray on the mountain. Moses didn't come back for 40 days and nothing happened. Nothing changed. They were they're stuck. And then they said, Moses left us. Moses lied to us. Moses abandoned us. Let's make a golden calf. Let's worship that God. And they strayed away from God and made a mess of their life because for 40 days, nothing happened. The disciples got discouraged. We left the ministry for a few moments. They got depressed. They doubted. They were afraid because Friday Jesus died. And guess what happened on Saturday? Nothing. And it was Saturday that ruined them. I thought about a father who had a demon-possessed child that went to the disciples to pray over and believe that he could be delivered. And they prayed, and they shook, and they shouted, and they probably spoke in tongues. I don't know, but guess what happened? Nothing. And the Bible says an argument broke out because they got frustrated. They got angry. They started blaming one another. Do you get it now? There are seasons in every believer's life we go through nothing. That's when things become messy. That's when we think that the blessing is far, the blessing is forgotten, the blessing is not going to happen. Elijah has this word from God it's going to change, it's going to get better, it's going to rain. But nothing happened. You know what saddens me sometimes with God is that He gives you the promise first, 
then you have to go through the waiting. He'll show you, like Joseph, this amazing dream and changing the world, and then you'll go through years of nothing but pain. He'll show you the promise of being a great nation like Abraham and blessed and then go through 25 years of nothing. He'll anoint David and say, you're going to be king one day and then go through years of nothing and you're still a poor shepherd. We get excited for the promises of God. I really don't sometimes because when God gives me a promise or a word, I say, "Uh uh-oh, how long? How long is this one going to take? Elijah was not only going through a difficult trial because of a famine, he was going through a difficult experience because of the lack of evidence of the promises of God. Nothing. But you know what I love about this passage? Elijah survived. Because I feel like telling someone this morning, you will and can survive the season of nothing. You can. That season when you're saying, Pastor, I just want to call it quits. Pastor, I feel dumb already believing in this. I I don't see anything, nothing, nothing, nothing. But you can survive. And as I read this, it, it just convicted me because I prayed and I said, Lord, I need survival tips. Because we go through seasons of nothing. It's funny how, how so many of us, you know, people in the news and experts, oh, this virus is going to be over in three months. Yeah, what happened to that? And nothing's changed. It's gotten worse. How do you survive the seasons of nothing? So let me, before I give you the survival tips, show me your hands if you're going through a season of nothing in an area in your life. Elijah was going through the season of nothing. But I noticed that Elijah came out blessed. Because as you go through a season of nothing, that you think God is doing nothing, God is always doing something. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. You know, I thought about this last week as I was on the boat and I threw my anchor overboard. And I had faith that that anchor was going to sustain me so I wouldn't drift away. And you know, I couldn't see the anchor as I went that way down into the deep. But you know, deep down inside me, I had faith that that anchor was working and holding me even though I couldn't physically see the anchor. That's why the Bible says we have this anchor for hope for our soul. Because God says, even though you may not see me, sometimes you need to have faith and trust that I'm holding you and I'm working underneath the surface. Do you believe God is working underneath the surface of everything you're going through right now? So let me give you the survival tips. You guys want them? If not, you won't survive this. So listen up, take notes. Survival tip number one. It's in verse 41. When I read this, I said, Lord, this can't be a survival tip, but it is. Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound, notice that, there is the sound of the roar of heavy shower. 
I hear the rain coming. But notice what Elijah tells them. He tells them, go and eat and drink. You don't eat and drink when there's a famine. You save it. You store it. Just in case of an emergency. That's why some of you are miserable. Because you're always thinking the worst is going to happen. I better save this because this is going to not last. But listen what he tells them. Eat and drink. And in the Bible, that term, eat and drink, was always a symbolism of celebrating. And when I read this, I said, hold up, God. No, 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 no. Listen. How can you celebrate at a time like this? There's no rain. They're still in the famine. Nothing's changed. But Elijah tells him, celebrate. So survival tip number one. You ready? Live as a believer with good expectations. Elijah says, go and celebrate. You celebrate when something is over. So Elijah, in essence, is telling him, I want you to live like this is over. Can we live like COVID-19 is over because we trust in God? Can we live as though we have the victory? Can we live as though we don't have to be defeated by this? Can we live with good expectations? See, some of us, we say no. Because we're still in it. And in order for us to celebrate, it has to be over. But see, as of the Christians that we are, the Bible says to call things as though they were. Not all were. Because our all right now is pretty messed up. So survival tip number one in the season of nothing, you need to live with God's good expectation. Even in the midst of the trouble, even in the midst, nothing changed. The famine was still going on. There was still a severe drought. But he tells Ahab, go and celebrate and expect that something good is about to happen. Something good is about to change. And I hear the devil whispering right now, not you. Not for you. We as Christians, we don't have to wait till something is over to praise and celebrate God. God says, I want you to praise and celebrate me now even when it hasn't changed. Even when it's not over. We can celebrate, not because of what has happened, but we as Christians can celebrate because of who God is. We serve a God that works all things for good for those who love Him. So no matter what I go through, I need to expect that something good is going to come out, not because of what I see, what I feel, or what I hear, but because of who I believe in, and that is God who says, I work everything for your good. 
That's why so many believers don't survive the season of nothing. Because you don't have good expectations. You're only assuming the worst. It's going to happen. And it's never going to change. And this is so unfair. And why doesn't God do anything? And I can't wait till God changes things. But you don't have to wait for God to change things. You can celebrate God now. Because you know that in Christ, the victory is already yours. And the battle has already been won. You know, I've read the end of this story. Guess what? The end of this book, the end of the Bible, we win. We win. Worst case scenario, we die. Guess what happens when we die with Jesus? You go to heaven. Good deal. Could you have good expectations in the midst of nothing? 1 John 5, 4 says... Whoever is born of God, that's whoever is a believer, overcomes the world. Hey, what's the world like now? CNN will tell you it's fine. (laughs) Sorry, I can't mention that. What's the world like now? It's messy. It's crazy. God says... When you're born of God, you overcome. Whatever you're going through right now, you could overcome. Because you have God. He says, whoever is born of God overcomes this world. And this is the, say it with me, victory. That has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith is what enables us to overcome the world that we live in. And if you're lacking faith in God, you might not be born of Him. But if you can trust God with your soul, I think you can trust Him with your daily life. If you can trust Jesus for your eternity, I think you can trust Him with your children, your job, your finances, your health. You can overcome the world. In fact, John 16.33 says to his disciples who were going through a lot, they were going through trouble, they were going through chaos, and Jesus said to his disciples, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Hey, when was the last time you felt peace? And Jesus says, in this world, you have tribulation." Trouble. But he says, be of courage. I've overcome the world. See, Pastor, what does that mean? Let me put it together for you. Jesus says that he survived the hardest trial that ever existed in this lifetime. You know what that is? Our sin separating us God. Nothing compares to that problem. I don't care what you're going through right now. It is not as bad as our sin separating us from God, sending us to hell. Nothing is worse than that. 
And yet, through Jesus and His death on the cross and resurrection, He overcame death. He overcame sin. We have life in Him. He defeated Satan once and for all. He got the victory. And the Bible says, I want you to have peace because if I overcame that and I'm with you, you can overcome anything because what compares to what I went through? So you can overcome. But see, I started thinking, well, God, why is it that Christians don't overcome, don't have the victory, even though Jesus says the battle's been won? And then I thought about the word won. You know, Christians, this is what we believe in. We've won. When this world is over, we win. Because we're going through whatever we're going through, we know we've already won because Jesus stands with us. But why is it that even though we've won, we don't live like we've won? You ever watch sports, remember sports on television? I miss those days. Let's not talk about the Dolphins because they don't know what this is, one. But other football teams, when they win... They run through the field. There's a lot of screaming and shouting and confetti and screaming and joy and excitement. Why? Because they know the clock has run out and they have won. I've never yet to see a winning team walk through the field and be like, okay, we won. So why is it that believers... We're not living like winners. But we are living like we've been defeated. Your problems are defeating you. That what people are doing to you are defeating you. That nothing you're going through has you defeated. The cancer in your body has defeated you. The rebellious child in your life has defeated you. The money problems have defeated you. The marital problems has defeated you. You're thinking, Pastor, it's hard to live like I've already won when I feel like I've lost. Why is it that you can't celebrate when you as a believer has already won through Jesus Christ? It's because we do things as Christians backwards. See, if I put this word backwards, what word do we have? Now, you know why we can't live like we've won? Because your mind is going through what you got now. What are you going through now? Well, now I have problems. Now I'm sick. Now I don't have a job. Now I'm confused. Now I have marital problems. Now I have problems with my family. Now this and now that. I'm going through this. Your mind is so fixed on what you're going through now that you cannot live like you've already won because in order to live with victory, you have to look into the future and God says, in the future, you will win. But you can't look to the future if all you're doing is looking at now. How do things look now? Pretty bad. How do things look now? Pretty hopeless. And if your faith is in what you have now, you will never live like you've already won. Does this make sense? Some of you are backwards with God. You're only thinking about the now. This is why 
Hannah and Abraham and David and everyone. How long? How long? How long, God? How long? Lord, I don't think I can do this. Lord, I don't think it's going to change. Why? Because they were only focused on the now. You can't look at what you're going through now. Oh, now it's bad. But the devil says, yeah, look how things are now. Turn on the news. Look how things are now. Look at your life now. Nothing's changed. You haven't won. So survival tip number one. Expect something good from God. He tells Ahab, I want you to celebrate like you've already won. Even though you're still in the drought. Because God is working in your life. He's working on our behalf. You want depression and sadness and weeping and pity parties? Focus on now. Number two, survival tip number two. Verse 42. It gets harder. I know. I have that tendency to give you harder. Harder. So Ahab went up and he ate and he drank. Elijah went up to the top of the Mount Carmel. And he crouched down on the earth. He put his face between his knees. The Bible says that Elijah knelt down. When Elijah, you know, we tend to focus that Elijah prayed, but before Elijah prayed, he got on his knees and he put his face in between his legs to the ground. See, when you did that, That was a sign of submission. So survival tip number two. Submit to God the outcome. Submit to God the outcome. When we submit to God, we give our lives over to His authority and control. You're choosing to trust Him. In spite of what you're going through now, you're saying, Lord, I'm submitted to your authority. So Lord, even if now nothing changes, I trust you. Even though now nothing changes, I'll have faith in you. Even though now things are bad, I'll still worship you. Even though now things have hurt me, I will still go to church and praise. Even though now things have not happened for me, I will still serve you. That is when you know you are submitted to God. You submit to God over the outcome. You know why why this is so hard? Because you have to tell God, Lord, whatever happens, it's your will. What if God doesn't change it? What if God doesn't answer it, your prayer, your way? What if God doesn't make it happen the way you thought he would? Are you so submitted to his will that you're saying, I trust you. David prayed for his son to be healed and prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted and he died. He got up, washed his face and worshipped. Why? Because he submitted to the outcome. 
He submitted God the outcome of his circumstance. He said, Lord, even if you don't do it the way I thought you would have, I will still praise you. Elijah is in submission because he knows what he believes. He knows what he heard from God. But even though that servant went up and he said nothing, he stayed in submission to God. He stayed trusting God. So even though the first time he went and nothing, the second time he went and nothing, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, nothing, 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 he stayed in authority under God. Could you trust God with the outcome of whatever now is? Could you trust God and surrender it over to him? You know, that's why we have peace, because we say, Lord, this is in your control. And whatever happens, I will trust you with the outcome. Elijah, in his submission, makes sense now, because this is why, in the Bible, six times nothing happens. But you never read of Elijah asking God why. Like some of you are right now. God, why? Why now? Why now, God? Why now? Why does things happen now? Why does it have to happen this way now, God? Why? Elijah, you don't read of him getting frustrated. You don't read him saying, man, I've, I've gone six times and I've searched and I've looked and nothing, and nothing ever happens. You never read of Elijah having this amazing Old Testament style pity party. You don't read him saying, nothing happens for me. Nothing ever good happens. Nothing's changed. And I serve God. And I believe in God. And I have served God for years. And nothing. He doesn't put himself in that position of misery. He doesn't get discouraged. He doesn't give up. He doesn't get angry with God. Why? Because that is a sign of true submission to God. You don't have time to get frustrated, angry, or even question God and whatever your now is because you've trusted in His outcome. That's submission. That's why Elijah, after six times, said, Lord, I still trust you. Lord, I still be patient. Some of you, after number two, gone, done, gave up, left. You would have been gone out of that mountain. Some of the more spiritual ones, maybe four. But ain't no one in this church would have lasted six times of nothing. Except me. I'm the pastor. <laughs> First Peter 5, 6-7. Therefore, he's telling this to a church that's going through trials. He's, going, he's telling this to a church who's been persecuted. Jailed. Killed. Burned alive. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you, lift you up. I hate this part, but I got to read it. It's there. At the what? Proper time. Mm. Casting all your anxiety on Him. 
Because He cares about you. You know, God cares about you. And He knows you're anxious right now. And in that anxiety, He says, humble yourself. And wait for me to lift you up. In proper time. See, part of surviving the season of nothing is trusting in his timing. You know why it didn't happen, number one, two, three, four, five, and six? Because it wasn't supposed to happen, number one, two, three, four, five, and six. But it was supposed to happen in number seven. But in order to get to number seven, you have to go through one and six. For all you who say, I want it now. God, when? God, now, please, now! You know, the right thing at the wrong time will destroy your life. You want it now? I want him now. I want her now. I want this job now. God, now. But God can give you the right thing at the wrong time, and you will mess it up. Ask the prodigal son that question. He got it too early and messed up his life. You have to trust in the timing of God. And in order... For you to trust in the timing of God, you have to submit to His authority. And that's why the Bible says, humble yourself. Why? Because when you're frustrated and angry and worry all the time, it's because you're prideful. You feel as though you deserve it. It's a fun fact. If you're worried right now, you are not submitted to God. Because when you are submitted to God, you're trusting Him for the outcome. See, I was watching TV this week, and I saw this crazy show. I don't know why I saw this, but it, it, it was the world's biggest tumor. You want anxiety in your life? Watch that show. Some guy in Vietnam, 200-pound tumor, half his body, eating him alive. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Not cool, but I was like, Wow. And you know that doctors came in from America and they had to tell him, we can't operate? We can't. He came in, he drove 18 hours, thinking he was going to have this save his life. The doctors tell him, we can't. You ever feel like that? Your expectations have failed. What you thought was going to happen didn't. And the reason that this man put me in tears, I, I had a little tear, is because he looks at this American doctor and he says, shakes his hand and says, thank you. The doctor's like, thank you. How can you thank me? I just said, no, we can't do the surgery. And he said, thank you for trying because now I know the Lord's will. And I'm trusting Jesus with this result. He was a Christian. That's what it looks like to be in full submission to God. Lord, even if you don't heal me, even if you don't do it for me, I'm trusting you in submission to the outcome. Let's recap. Survival tip number one. Celebrate God. Expect God to do something good. Survival tip number two in the season of nothing. 
Submit the outcome to God. Stay on your knees. Survival tip number three. I love this. You guys enjoying this so far? Number three. Pray. Keep praying. Don't stop praying. Pray. Keep praying. Don't stop praying. Elijah prayed. Anything? Nothing. I'll keep praying. What about now? Nothing. Okay, I'll keep praying. Now? Nothing. What about you know the answer? Okay, nothing. Five. Six. Nothing. Keep praying. Keep praying for what you want. Keep praying for what you're believing for. Keep praying for what you think is impossible. Because sometimes what we're going through now tells us to stop praying for it. Stop. You know, that's why I love the Bible because the Bible says there was a blind man who, who cried out to Jesus, have mercy on me. And everyone around him said, oh, just be quiet. Just be quiet. Stop bothering Jesus. You know, I think that's what the devil does. You're crying out to God for change. You're crying out for God for mercy. You're crying God for a miracle. And the devil's just telling you, stop. Stop. You're making a fool of yourself. Stop believing for that. It's not going to happen. He's not going to change it. He doesn't know. He doesn't. He's ignoring you right now. Stop praying. But survival tip number three in the season of nothing. Pray. Keep praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop. Elijah kept praying. But then I got to thinking about this. And I said, wait a minute. I said, something doesn't add up here. You guys ready for this? It's interesting. God tells him in verse 1, I'm bringing rain. So why is Elijah praying? If God already told him, I'm going to do it. And we preach this story, and I think we've been preaching it wrong. I don't think Elijah was praying for rain. That's my opinion. Take it or leave it, but you might want to take it. Because I don't think Elijah was praying for rain. Why would you pray for something God already said we're going to do? Can I get an amen? That's true. Good point, scholar. So I said, Elijah, why are you praying? Elijah, why are you praying if God already told you? Let's be honest. If God told you, I'm going to do it, how many of you will still pray for it? See, none of you. None of us. So why did Elijah pray? You want to wait till next week to find out? No? (laughs) I believe that Elijah was praying to survive the season of nothing. You know why? Because Elijah got on his knees, believing for change, believing for rain. He looked up, he asked anything, and when he heard the word, nothing I believe discouragement came in, doubt came in, fear came in, question came in, and I believe Elijah was on his knees praying for the Lord to give him strength to keep believing. 
to keep asking. I believe Elijah was praying for faith. Elijah was praying for encouragement. Elijah was praying for patience because he looked up and saw nothing. He asked and got the reply, nothing. Nothing's changed. Nothing's Nothing's going to change. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And he just kept praying, Lord, help me to survive this. I want to give up. I want to stop asking. I want to stop believing because Lord is dry and the skies are blue and it's clear and nothing. Lord, help me. I believe Elijah was not praying for rain. He was praying for strength in the season of nothing. Because when you begin to look to the side and get distracted by everything that's happening now, is when that's when you need to start praying for the Lord to give you strength. Because when you pray, prayer is vertical. When you pray, you're going up to God and God is going down to you. It's a vertical action. The Bible says the Holy Spirit takes your your prayers that make no sense, by the way, and He takes them over to God. When you pray, you take your eyes off what you're going through and you put them on God. So Elijah prayed and didn't stop praying and kept praying, not because he wanted the rain, it's because he wanted to survive those seasons of nothing. Let me illustrate this, and we'll close with this illustration. One of the scariest illustrations I've ever done in our church. Yolanda, come up here. Let me tell you what prayer does. It's a carton of eggs. Do you guys believe... That Ileana could stand on these eggs and not crack? Some of you are like, never. You know what's crazy when I carry her? Some of Give her a round of applause. Obviously, you know now the eggs are real. Why did some crack and others didn't? Look at this. This one, broken. This one, broken. This one, crushed. This one, what a mess. Look at you. You're intact. Look at you. You're whole. Look at you. You're fine. They all went through the same thing, though. Ileana stepped on her. I'm sorry. It's a female egg. I guess so. Ileana stepped on all these eggs, but some cracked. Some didn't. Because the egg, the head of the egg, is the strongest part. I can squeeze this egg. 
and it won't break. But all I gotta do is turn it to the side. And the minute I turn it, I don't have the strength. But the reason that these eggs cracked was because some of them were leaning while others were vertical. You want a mess of your life? Or you want to be intact when life puts pressure on you? You want to stay whole when things are pressing on you? Or do you want to crack under pressure? Fall apart, make a mess of your life. Who do you want to be? One egg said, I feel the pressure, but I'm going to stay looking up. That's what prayer does. When you pray, whatever you're going through now, your mind is on God. But when you are distracted with what you're going through now, the Bible says don't look to the left, don't look to the right. You're looking to the side. You're looking at everything you're going through. You're looking at everything that's around you. You're watching the news. You're seeing everyone lose their jobs, getting sick, dying. You're hearing reports. You're looking at this. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. It's no wonder you're cracking under pressure. Because your mind is not on God, your mind is on the side. You're leaning. That's why when Peter looked to the side, he started sinking. In life, Christian or not, we all go through the same pressure, we all go through the same problems. But the outcome should be different for believers and non-believers because the world doesn't have God. So they crack under pressure because they're depending on themselves. But you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ that says nothing is impossible. So when you have your head on God, you can stand. You can be whole. You won't crack. So if this is you right now, you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm crushed by what I went through. I'm crushed by what I'm going through now. Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm crushed. I'm losing everything. I'm sick. My marriage, my kids, my whatever, and everything is a mess. Don't you know that God says, I never wanted you to live this way. I wanted you to be whole. Where does your head go? In the seasons of nothing. You don't want to know why you're anxious and worried and sad and miserable? Tell me where your head's going. Is it going up to God, focused on God in prayer? Or are you kind of just leaning? Looking at everything you're going through. no wonder today in the church you have some that are whole and complete and enjoying life and then you have others that are crushed because your mind is not fixed on God you're always looking to the side do you receive this this morning come on give God praise let me pray for you 
Let me lay hands on you right now. No, I'm not going to do that. With every head bow, every eye closed, as we dismiss today. I believe you'll leave this church today surviving the season of nothing. But maybe you're saying, Pastor, I'm like that egg. My head is going to the side, not on God. I'm looking at what doctors tell me. I'm looking at what the news says. I'm looking at what I'm watching and seeing and hearing. I'm distracted by what I'm going through, my problems. Pastor, right now, I don't feel like I've won. But you know you have. Because you have the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're listening online right now, maybe right now you're cracking under pressure. Your life is a mess because you're distracted and your head is not on God. The Bible says be sober-minded. It's talking about your head because the devil roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to destroy and devour. See, the devil is after your head. And if in your head is all anxiety and depression and discouragement and sadness and how nothing's going to change and nothing good happens for me and nothing's ever going to get better, it's no wonder you're crushing under pressure and your life is a mess. But those who have their minds set on God, live in victory, remain intact because they know that the battle has already been won. So whatever I go through now, I will come out victorious. Let me pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name, for every head here that's depressed, for every head that has anxiety, for every head that has guilt and shame and fear, for every person that's distracted by their sickness, for every person that's distracted by their nothing, by every person that's distracted by their financial problems, by every person that's distracted by their family problems. Problems are all around us. Pressure is all around us. We have the pressure of what if and what are we going to do and how are we going to fix this and how are we going to get out of this. But your word says to be still. And know that I am God. And that word still means to let go. It's time that forward fellowship lets go. I don't know what every other church is doing. And I don't care. In this church, we need to let it go. We need to trust God. And know now you're going through it and now you want to crack under pressure you need to believe you've already won so keep praying don't stop praying God's about to do it God's about to change it God's about to make something happen but you stay in submission you stay trusting him you celebrate as though you know that God is up to something good in this place Lord Jesus I pray in Jesus name everyone that's cracking under pressure we want to be the church that stays whole intact so that when people say how did you do that we can only say Jesus because we fixed our heads on you we had a vertical mindset not a horizontal so Lord whatever we're going through now whatever we want right now we humbly submit to you this mess in Jesus' name.